The content of this podcast is not intended as a substitute for professional medical advice. Before embarking on social prescribing or anything else suggested in this podcast, always consult your GP or other healthcare professional first. then they stay engaged within their community and that's the long-term benefit of social inclusion. We're like that all-around holistic approach to patient care. You know, it's kind of it's changing how we treat our patients, how the GPs are treat their patients. Welcome everyone to the Spring Social Prescribing Podcast. I am your host, Kieran Lockhart. I'm the Communications Officer with Spring Social Prescribing. And today we're in the Bogside and Brandywell Health Forum and in the studio with us today we have Aileen McGuinness who is the director um, of the Bogside and Brandywell Health Forum and Emer McDade who is the Spring Social Prescribing Regional Manager for Northern Ireland. Isn't that right Emer? It does. So Gers, you are very welcome to the podcast today. What we wanted to do and what we wanted to talk about was give our listeners an idea of social prescribing in general and spring social prescribing in particular so if Aileen if I could come to you first can you uh, give our listeners an idea of who you are and what your role is here at the health forum yeah so as you said my name is Aileen McGuinness I'm a director here at Bogside and Brandeville Health Forum um been the director for the last three years but before that I would have been program manager would have looked after everything health and young people um my role generally is to sustain the organisation, look at the strategic direction um, and provide operational support to managers. So it's very office-based job, um, in and out of meetings, looking at funding applications, looking at how we can sustain the organisation and grow the organisation as well too, obviously coming out of COVID and just general health and wellbeing of people. There's been a lot of increase and a lot of interest in our services from our programs being um, oversubscribed, from the likes of the health checks for our social economy have been flying out the door, um, OCNs, anything. So it's just about sustaining and making sure that we're making an impact for people on the ground as well too to improve health and wellbeing. Um, should that be the people in this direct area of Bogside, Brandwell, Fountain, but also across the district um, and within the Western Trust and further afield. You mentioned um, some of the different projects, Aileen, that's going on under the Health Forum banner. Social prescribing, I suppose, in spring is just one of, one of those mm-hmm. projects. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us how social prescribing got started at the Health Forum? Yeah, so that must have been about, mm, I'm going to say seven, eight years ago. Social prescribing was a concept um, that was coming over from England, um, and there was bits and pieces happening in Scotland as well too, so... We won a tender here to deliver out the first pilot project, so that lasted for two and a half years. It started in the first year with ourselves and two GP practices, and basically it was about getting referrals for over 65s um, and getting a social prescription. Um, it was hard at the start. It was hard to get it started up because it was a new concept. Um, it was very much the community sector first work, and we primary care through GP practices so we done a lot of work and there was a doctor called Dr Loftus mm-hmm. um, she was very very good in, in pushing the agenda obviously realised that it worked and, and wanted to show all our GPs that it worked so I think at the time we were very low in referrals 
and she referred on a patient that was seen by a lot of doctors and we used to go to the monthly meetings in the GP practice and she actually said, did anybody ever see such and such? We'll call her Mary. Has anybody seen Mary over the last while? And everybody was like, no. And that's where the penny dropped. She said, well, I referred her to social prescribing two months ago. And she, I locked and she hasn't been on the GP practice since. So from then, that's where we got all our referrals. And that's where we've seen the demand grow. So then we got the, uh, the pilot day extended. And we worked, sorry, the first year we were um, out in Eglinton, we radius. The second year then, we were in Castledarg and we had to widen our stretch to 25 GP practices. So then that's where the concept grew out of. And that's where people of Derry said in Strabane Council area or GP practices realised the benefits of social prescribing. It's funny you give that specific example of that GP, you know, talking about one of their, spa- their patients, but it just shows you as well too the, the reach social prescribing can have and the power over even just one person. And different groups are working in partnership. Yeah. Uh, bring us up the speed since then. Um, well, suppose Emer should probably ask you as, as regional manager for Northern Ireland. Can you give our listeners a taste of where Spring is at now with its social prescribing? Spring operates over 11 partners in Northern Ireland. So my job is to advise and assist those 11 partners. So the position we're at now is kind of sustainability. And how can we self-sustain the Spring model throughout five of the trust areas everyone all those areas are different so adjustments will have to be made to make the need for that area your 11 partners you that you mentioned are they concentrated in the northwest or where are they based throughout northern ireland okay 11 healthy eleven centers are delivering a social prescribing in northern ireland and are they all the same or is it different for each healthy eleven center well the the spring model it takes referrals from primary care but there are some areas that did see that approach quite rigid. So they've had to kind of be creative and maybe get referrals from secondary care pathways just to get the referrals in because some GPs weren't responding to the spring, to social prescribing. But so it's ju- each area is different. So it had to be just they made their adjustments. Uh, like they f- It's got like its own unique set of circumstances. <laughs> it is, aye, say. Aye, yeah. yeah. And tell me, um, for a typical person, like, you're based here yourself at the Bogset and Brandable Health Forum, so social prescribing is happening like in this office. Mm-hmm. What's the what's the typical journey that um, how someone would get involved with social prescribing, like how they would come through our doors, or you know what would their interaction be? So as mentioned, I uh, we take referrals from primary care, so the GP would refer to us spring social prescribing, and they would be referred as a patient, but then they would become the participant then in the community. We help them. We help them make the connections then. They, we either develop the programs based on their needs or if, if needs be, then we do kind of refer them on to maybe all our support. So each, um, if you have a different patient, like their program's tailored for them, it's not necessarily yeah. just one program? Yeah, um, and there, is, there has been spring programs developed based on certain cohorts of participants. Mm-hmm. So new, new programs and existing programs. So people with similar interests, for example, yeah. or similar needs can slot on the programs. Yeah. Um, and what do you do when somebody first comes on board with social prescribing? How do you measure success? We, we, ha- we would have pre and post assessments. We measure them with Outcome Star and SWEM Web. And what is the Wellbeing Star? What's the purpose of that? 
it measures um their thoughts, their feelings, and like how they're feeling at that moment in time. And then that gets measured again. Then at the end of the intervention, so you're taking that snapshot of the patient yeah. before they would go through programs, and yeah. then afterwards, then at the end. Generally speaking, what is the outcomes like? You know, are people happy with what they're going through? Yeah. And then that's reflected in their outcome star then? Yeah. I think for us, for social prescribing as well too, it was the model that we got through Spring because there is social prescribing projects out there. There's a lot of um, different projects across the North. There's a lot of different projects across the UK and Ireland. Um, but for us, it was very unique. Um, we've done a lot of restructuring over COVID and we really looked at what a social prescribing journey was and when we done the assessment of it, um, we looked and people were getting referred from GP practices and from multidisciplinary teams across the board, but they weren't people that would naturally come to a community programme. So we were finding it very, very hard to engage them. So what we had actually done was broke it down and allowed the social prescriber to have six meaningful conversations okay. on the basis of motivational interviewing. So... All the social prescribers across the North and across Scotland were trained in motivational interviewing. And that was to ensure that we could get people out the doors. It could be maybe two or three times you're talking to them on the phone. And then the next time you're actually getting them to go out the door and do a program that you're assisting or helping them go to, um, you're attending with and that kind of stuff. So it was it's more that support and that community support that you're getting. So it's not just social prescribing, it's the model in which that we have social prescribing and then six meaningful conversations is really, really key to that model. But also as well too, um, it's allowing for that person to travel the journey and as Emma was saying about the Wellbeing Star and the Short Warwick Edinburgh, that's done at the start and after a period of time, but that person can stay along with the centre or can stay engaged in other organisations for a long, long time after. So we're, as you said, Kieran, we're getting a snap it, snapshot of where they're at, but the long-term journey of it, once they engage, then they stay engaged within their community, and that's the long-term benefit of social inclusion and ensuring uh, increasing community capacity. I think that's one of the key things about Spring, isn't it, Gers, where it's not just helping somebody and then job done, it's about really integrating them in the communities, isn't yeah. it? Um, you told me one day about like the difference between social prescribing and just simple signposting where you're not just signposting them on day a service in a lot of ways we are the service in the community and, and putting them through those tailored programs uh, we're, that, we're like that all around holistic approach mm-hmm. to patient care do you know it's kind of it's changing how we treat our patients how the, the GPs should treat their patients do you know the GPs they're inundated and have no fault of their own, they don't have time for the health and well-being side of things, so yeah. that's where we come in mm. and refer out to us mm. to kind of do that part. And then it would, would, would reduce the GP visits then. Yeah. And do you think as well, like in terms of success overall, is it important to take that holistic approach? Yeah. Just to make sure that you're covering like all bases and it is tailored to the individual? It's all tailored to the individual. We co-create that health plan. The social prescriber sits with the the patient co-creates a health plan and develops the programs based on the n- on their needs. Mm. So there's no signposting unless we feel we we can't develop the program, then that's when we okay. signpost. But that's few and far between. Yeah. And what about just to get an idea, what type of programs would people go through with social prescribing? Do you know, because people might think, you know, I'm I'm going to do talking 
therapy? Is it going to be just like a, a social club? Like what type of things will they do as part of social prescribing? Well, they do have talking therapies, walking and talking therapies and social cafes. So people that are kind of isolated, we, we would get them out to the social cafes. But there is some participants that need that one-to-one support, which is around counselling. So it just all depends on the need of the individual. Just depends on the individual yeah, at the end of yeah. the day. And can you tell me a bit about like what your role involves, like day to day? What have been been up to in these most recent weeks? So um, we're in a position again as how we can we self sustain um, social prescribing throughout the whole of Northern Ireland. Um, no, the emphasis is now on sustainability and how we can build a legacy of Spring. Maybe if we can um, develop, help develop maybe legacy um, projects that's going to use the Spring model. So that's where kind of we're at now. We are funded by the big lottery. Um, so, and it's about sustainability. I think as well too, Emer, the OCN that you've developed as well yeah. too. So, uh, uh, so that's the OCN. Kind of the barrier that we, the challenge that we have kind of been faced with is familiarising for social prescribing. So we developed an OCN on social prescribing at a level two. Um, so that's given everyone, it's, an, it's an equal ground, it's given participants and professionals the opportunity to learn about social, social prescribing and also to build credits that maybe they can progress on day like a level three in the tech for the participants. So we will be carrying that out with participants and professionals in the room. Um, it's just kind of given so they can learn about social prescribing, how it can be accessed, how, no, the benefits of it, and that's building the legacy. Throughout every community, then social prescribing. So I suppose you want people to have that kind of basic qualification in social prescribing, but at the same time, too, you're just trying to educate the public as well yeah. too about what social prescribing is. What social prescribing is, and like for a there's no entry requirements, so a participant can um, do this OCN, and then that's given them opportunity to, to progress under the college because they were going to they're going to gain fifty six credits. Mm. Great. I like the concept that you've got with the professional and the participants. Yeah. Uh, and the same and the session. Same. Do you know what I mean? Because Good that's learning. So that's what social prescribing is. It's that kind of treating everybody equal. So like, um, it's given the professional the opportunity that they can still help the participant. Within that, It's not going to be a classroom setting, but it's, it's they'll be able to help the participant and there'll be reasonable reason. Reasonable adjustments in place as well for participants, you know, depending on their learning styles and stuff like that. Maybe if they can, assessment tools are maybe online yeah. as opposed to writing. Okay. Oh, that's really good. And do you think is that important, as we say, you know, talking about like spring moving forward, that it's not just social prescribing, but a particular model of social prescribing mm. is promoted as well too? I think, as I said before, there's lots of social prescribing out there. But I think having this model, and like this model, although as Emer was saying there, it's funded through the lottery, it needs to be adapted in, in a way that when we move it forward that you can still have that time to engage with the person, give the time at the very, very start to ensure that the person is happy, content and satisfied in doing what they're doing. And that co-creating that health pathway that Emer was chatting about allows that relationship to build up with the social prescriber and the person. Um, allows us to see what direction of travel we go. It could be, we've as, as Emma reflected on the social cafes, like it, it could be a cinema night, it could be a book reading club, 
Um, it could be a stitching club, anything along the lines. It's just the direction of travel of what that person wants to do. And as Emer said, we're not the answer to it all here in the health forum. There's a lot of organisations that we refer out to as well too. But once ensuring that that person settles on there, and once they settle on, then that's them. Like they become part and partial. Like that woman that I was telling you about, uh, Mary, we were AKA Mary. Um, she is now a volunteer for us. Do you know what I mean? Right. And that was like what seven years ago. She refused to get involved in any programs. She didn't want to do anything, and we kept going because we knew this is the golden ticket. If we get her nailed, then that was us. We've got social prescribing across the board. Um, she refused to go on the programs. She then decided, right, okay, I'll go on the programs. Took her a wee while to settle in, probably about three or four months. Um, and now she went to every program that we had and anybody else had, and now she's a volunteer with us. Do you know what I mean? So she's doing that motiva- motivational interviewing with people now. She's pretty much gone full circle then yes. with social prescribing from a, yep. a patient or a participant right through to volunteering now mm-hmm. and giving right back on it. I suppose that feeds into the whole holistic approach yep. for spring as well too. And she's further embedded in the community if she's facilitating and mm-hmm. promoting classes. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, Ima, I'm reminded you were telling us about our local social prescriber here, Danielle. Um, Aileen, just what you mentioned, and it could be a film night, it could be a book club. Mm-hmm. And Danielle has developed some of her own programs just based on the needs yeah. of, of the people coming to her. Yeah. Um, is that something you see reflected in the different partners spread out across Northern Ireland? Are they doing different things? based on who they see in front of them? Yeah, it's across the board. That's what all partners are doing. But Danielle kind of specifically had her own cohort. And she developed programs based on that cohort as a group mm. and what they would like mm. as well. But that had, there is some shared learning as well. I'm um, communicating that with the partners. And kind of they're, they're kind of in their own set ways. Mm. It frees them up really to kind of adapt uh, their social prescribing for themselves. Uh, and they, and would, the need. they would all would be in their own peer support group as well. So subscribers in Northern Ireland have a peer support group every month. So the ideas are getting relayed back and forth there as well. Very mm. good. So I suppose the question to both of you, if we could kind of write down now what we would like to see the social prescribing landscape, how it would take form in, in the coming months and years, what would you like to see happen? Kieran, that's a million dollar question there, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And it is, it's down to funding and... Like resources are tight, we know that across the board. We're looking at the cost of living crisis that's, that's happening. Um, but we're also looking at like it's getting to a stage where people are finding it hard to look after their basic needs um, due to no um, blame of their own. So for us, it's very much supporting people in the way that we can support them. Um, obviously, as Emer says, we're funded with a lottery. Um, we hope to sustain it, not just as a social prescribing project, but also in we work it's a learning that we've taken on from the organization about that motivational interview and about engaging people that we that wouldn't really engage with us so they would be called before they would have been called the hard to reach people it would have been people that didn't engage in community programs whatsoever so we've built the connections with the gp practices with the primary care with the multidisciplinary teams so they will go on no matter what happens We'll still have them relationships. We'll still co-create programs together. We'll still work for the benefit of the people of our area, but we will adapt and do all programs the social prescribing model and ensure that we're giving time to people, ensure that they um, are welcomed, felt welcomed, and felt safe to come into our spaces, to come into our programs, because what we've always found is 
The difficulty is, is getting somebody across the door. And once you get across the door of any of our programs or of any of the buildings in any community, then they're there. And they're there for a long, long time. So we just need to nurture that and not let go of that site of no matter where the funding goes or what happens, give that time. And I think it's a request to funders as well too, is to allow us that time to build up them relationships as well too because before what it would have been is very much numbers and bums on seats and that kind of stuff. But the hard work is actually getting somebody in the door. So we need that wee bit of time and patience to, to work and build up in them relationships. And I suppose, you are, I'm sure you share Aileen's views there on, yeah. on like the future. And I come for us is somebody coming out for a cup of tea. Mm-hmm. No, that's a, that's a big outcome for yeah. social prescribing, getting them out the door and sitting down with a cup of tea. Mm-hmm. And I suppose if you get a, a participant then and sitting down for a, a cup of tea, that means so much more than just a cup of tea, doesn't it? And then you see them coming in with people of the group, mm-hmm. getting a cup of tea with them. That's how you know, that's the golden nugget. Mm-hmm. When you see them coming in on their own independently with a group of friends. That's 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 the cherry on top of the cake, it is, isn't uh, it? Yeah. It's just once you see that grip forming, once you see somebody adapting under the grip, and whenever you come in through our our doors or any other doors or any program that we've got or anybody else has got, people are so welcoming because do you know what? They were there. Mm-hmm. They might have been there six months ago. They might have been there three four years ago. They were there. So once you come under them doors, then people welcome you with open arms, yeah. and that's what everybody. I would like, if there was a message to get out, I would like to say, you're welcome, and everybody will make you feel welcome. So just come on and give it your time and effort, um, and we'll always be here to listen and make sure that you're 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 looked after as well as having a bit of crack. Well, Gers, that's fantastic. It's been a real pleasure chatting with you today. Thanks very much for coming in and Thanks sharing you. your thoughts on everything. Is there anything else you want to discuss before we wrap it up? No, I just think I'm delighted that we're your first podcast, Kieran, and yeah. we're all yeah. and long mm. may, may it go on, so we'll come on again. But no, look, it's just, it's been a long journey. The project um, works across the North and Scotland as well too, so it's been funful, it's been learning, it's been delightful to work with all the partners. Um, it Hopefully it sustains in whatever way it sta- sustains in each of the areas, and um, it's been a massive one for the Health Forum to be involved in as the lead organisation. So um, we'll take lots of learning from it. We'll develop um, whatever way we can develop and we'll work in partnership with all our partners out there and any way that we can sustain the project, we'll be looking at it as our organisation. Thanks for listening to the latest episode of the Spring Social Prescribing Podcast. Spring Social Prescribing is made possible thanks to National Lottery players with funding from the National Lottery Community Fund, the largest funder of community activity in the UK. For more information or to get in contact, visit us at our website at www.springsp.org or on Twitter at SpringSocialPRE.